I know last night I didn't uh, show you a picture of uh, my family, so I wanted to do that uh, today. I did send it uh, about three hours ago. They might not have checked their email, but you're giving me a head nod. You are so good. Thank you so much. This is my family. My beautiful wife, Rebecca. And then you've got my 14-year-old by the name of Brody. And then he's holding um, Genesis, which is our five-year-old. And then that little cute one, a little nugget right there, that's Lainey Dior Klein. He's not that little anymore. He's about 10 months now. We've got to get an updated picture. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit. Uh, I wanted you all to be able to see their faces. I miss them. Uh, they are phenomenal. And uh, next time I come to Minnesota, I'll bring my entire family. Deal? Deal? Is that cool? Fantastic. How many of you are ready for the word of God? Put your hand in the air. Wave it to me like you just do care. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, ooh. Now, this kind of energy is a little different. You know what I'm saying? You start off the conference, you got to break some, some thoughts, some patterns, some ideas. But now, the end of the conference, the end of the convention, the end session is just a little different. Look at your neighbor and say, it's about to hit different. It's about to hit different. Uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. Verse 14, if you got your Bibles with you, say, I got it. I ain't giving away $100 this time. Mark 9, and then Mark 9, 14 through 29. If you didn't bring your Bibles, don't worry. We were thinking about you. It'll be on the screens. This is what it says. Ooh, I love this. I love this passage. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Let me ask you something. What do you do when you see Jesus? You run? Okay, we'll have an altar call later. Um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. The man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth, and it becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Ask your church to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Ask your leaders to drive out the spirit, but they could not. I asked your pastors to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Verse 19, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long should I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. I got to ask you, what do you do when you see Jesus? He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him, but if you could do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus, as gangster as Jesus is. 
He said, if you can. What you mean if I can? Everything. Everyone say everything. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Low-key flex. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he posted it on Instagram. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked. On the count of three, I want you to give, you, give me your best shriek. Are you ready? One, two, three. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. We're running on your time. I'll wait. It's all right. <laughs> the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he was dead. But Jesus, everyone say, but Jesus. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive out this spirit? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. You know, a lot of times when you look at this passage, what you realize is they were so worried about being the one who drove out the impure spirit that they forgot who they needed in order to drive it out. So what I want to do tonight, session three of NYC, I want to title my message, Just Do It. Just do it. Look at your neighbor with the biggest stank face. And just get it. Come on. Get a close-up. Come on. This is what I want you to do. Okay, that's good. I'm 32. I'm getting wrinkles. You ready? Just look at him and go. Just do it. Look at your neighbor and say it. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> I wish I could do the rock. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> um, how many? There's a big uh, controversy going around. No, it's not the LeBron or Michael. Who's the goat? Whatever. This is the this is the bigger one. It's Nike. Or Adidas. So here's what I want you to do. Stand up if it's Nike. All the people who are saved are standing up right now. Let's go. Nike. Just do it. All right? Stand up if it's Adidas for you. okay. I wore Adidas tonight for you, okay? I wore Adidas tonight just for you. I'm not going to lie. Um, my five-year-old, Genesis, 
Uh, his name is Genesis Graham Abram. Yes, I'm telling you all my kids' middle names and everything because I'm not going to lie to you. I have kids just so I can name them. It's my favorite thing to do in the world. So literally, if my wife asks me, how many kids do you want to have? Like, I'll have eight. I'm cool. I got tons and tons of names, okay? I love naming my kids. Um, the only bad thing about naming your kid is you only get one chance. <laughs> That's it. And so um, Genesis, my five-year-old, one day he's like, Dad, you wear Nikes, and I want some Nikes. And I'm like, how do you know about Nikes? He's like, yeah, it's the one with the swoosh. And I'm like, yeah, it is the one with the swoosh. And I'm like, all right, sweet, sounds good. Let's go to, Ni let's go to the Nike outlet store because we ain't going to the real Nike. You know, we got to go to outlet. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Hallelujah. Budget. Hashtag. Let's go. Um, we go to the Nike outlet store. And uh, here's, here's what happened. Uh, I get him in his car seat, and he's sitting in the back. And every time we're riding together, uh, my son um, begins to draw. Any artists in the house tonight? One day I asked my son, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, Bob Ross. That's serious. I ain't, I ain't even going to lie to you. I said, that's right, Bob Ross Jr. Here we go. I'm down for it. I like it. I like the confidence. So this man's an artist, okay? Uh, remind you, he's five, okay? And he's in the back, he's drawing, and I'm just driving. You know, I'm driving, I get my drive on. It takes about 25-minute drive all the way to the Nike outlet store. About seven minutes in, everyone say seven. Seven minutes in, the son's like, yo, daddy. I'm like, yeah, bud. He's like, I drew you a picture. I'm like, oh, that's cute, boy. Like, I love it. I can't wait. Now, what you got to understand is he has drawn um, 7,323 pictures for me already, okay? And they're pretty much all the same thing, right? And uh, I'm not lying to you. This is a real thing. We have a stack of construction paper that is this tall from the ground. Yes, right here. And it's all pictures for me, okay? I could pick any of them, and they all look the same. I don't care. I think it's amazing, and I think it's awesome. My son's like, Dad, I drew you a picture. I'm like, oh, awesome. He's like, well, I want you to see it. Can you, can you look at it? I'm like, well, son, I'm driving. <laughs> That's not safe, you know? He's like, Dad, I want you to see the picture. I took a lot of time on it. I, I want you to see this picture. I'm like, son, <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you three seconds I'm getting on a straightaway. Are you ready? Say, yeah, Dad, I'm ready to show you. I'm like, okay, here we go. Ready? Three, two, one, go. I'm looking. I'm looking. Wow, that's amazing. Say, ah! Dad, why are you screaming? I said, here's the deal, son. We're going to die if I ever do that again. He's like, no, we're not. Jesus lives in us. I say, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter if Jesus lives and you, you can still die. <laughs> he's like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, we'll talk about it later. Uh, he's like, Dad. I said, I said that, looked, that looked cool. There's a nice little house. There's a little Spider-Man. There were flowers. I saw the little rock 
garden area thing. I saw Brody. I saw Mom. I saw Lainey. I saw me. And he's like, it wasn't you, Dad. I said, what you mean? Yeah, it was me. He's like, no, it wasn't you. It was Grandpa. acting like it's a Maury TV show right now. <laughs> All the youth pastors got that one. <laughs> I went too far back. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I was like, I was like, what you, what you, what you mean? He's like, yeah, you didn't see all of it, Dad. I said, no, I saw all of it. He said, turn around. I want you to see it again. I said, Dad. I said, but I can't. I can't. I got for the safety of us in this car, so Mom doesn't kill us. I have to make sure I keep my eyes on the Lord. I will look at it later. He's like, no, you won't. I said, yes, I will. I will look at it later. I promise you. He said, no, you won't. And I'm like, yes, I will. He said, Dad, you always say this. And I'm like, what do you mean? I literally looked back. I looked for three seconds. What are you talking about? I said, I promise you, I will see it after. And he goes, not joking. This is a real thing, not exaggerating. True story. He says, I'll believe it when I see it. I said, hold up, little boy. First off, what you mean? I like moved the rear view mirror. Wait, boy. Hey. Hey, look at me. What you mean I'll believe it when I see it? Where'd you hear that? I said, I don't say that. What you mean I'll believe it when I see it? Like, yeah, you're not going to look at it, Dad. You won't even look at it now. How do I know you're going to look at it later? And I thought to myself, even though it was a little discombobulating as I was thinking about this with my son saying, I'll believe it when I see it. Because five years old, like that's a pretty big phrase for a five-year-old to say. But I did start to think about this as I was preparing this this message. Um, Let me ask you a question. What has God not seen you do quite yet? What, What has God not seen you do just quite yet. Maybe it's, yeah, no, no, I'm going to forgive that person for sure. Like, I know they hurt me. I know they wronged me. I know they did me dirty, but I'm going to forgive them. And God's like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Has this ever happened to you before? Like, ever just, like, feel, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, like you get mad at some people and... And, 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 and you're like, no, 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 we're going to be friends again. And God's like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Or, 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 you know, like maybe you miss out on youth group for two weeks. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go back. And God's just like, yeah, honestly, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Look at your neighbor and say, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Let me ask you a question. This might even be a better question. Is what miracle is waiting on you? What breakthrough is waiting on you? What moment of freedom within your family is waiting on you? Because I think God gets a bad rep. You know what I'm saying? It's always God's fault, right? And then we kind of feel bad for saying that it's God's fault, and then we say it's the church's fault, or we say it's our friend's fault, or we just like never say that it's us. 
right? A lot of times it can be us. What miracle is waiting on you? In this scripture, it says, I asked your disciples, this, this, this father who's got a demon-possessed son, I asked, and brings him over to Jesus, and is like, yo, I asked your disciples to drive out this spirit, but they couldn't. They, they literally could not do it. They could not heal him. They could not, they, they, they could not make him better. And Jesus says, obviously not talking to the father, but talking to his disciples. He's like, you unbelieving generation. Ooh. Ooh. You unbelieving generation. Okay. We just have to stop right here and talk about this idea that Jesus was a little savage. Am I right? Like he's not just the lamb and the comforter and that's it and he's sweet Jesus, you know, hey, you can come to me, right? All who are thirsty and weary, right? He's like, you unbelieving generation. <laughs> right, like I don't know how he said it, maybe it was really sweet, like, but I don't know how you say that. Like you're like, you unbelieving generation. Silly, sillies, you sillies, right? Like, I, just, I don't know. I don't know what it was like, but he did say this to his disciples. Let me ask you a question. Um, what word would be in front of your generation? What would it be? Think about this. What would it be based off of your lifestyle? Right? Right? What would it be based off of your lifestyle? Is it... Uh, you fake generation. I don't know. Based off of your lifestyle, you think about it. Um, you lonely generation. You depressed generation. You anxiety-filled generation. Maybe it's you hungry generation. Maybe it's you pioneering generation, you forward-thinking generation, you barrier-breaking generation, you holy generation, you confident in the Holy Spirit generation, you righteous generation. I can't help but to think that if we were one of the disciples, what word would he put in front of that phrase. You know, what's interesting for me is I'm, I've been a youth pastor for 12 years, and uh, I know, I don't look that old, thank you. Um, and I've been a youth pastor for 12 years, and people ask me all the time, uh, what is your favorite thing about youth ministry? And I tell them every single time, potential. I love potential. There is nothing better in life than being and watching a teenager realize their potential, and they begin to walk step by step, letting that potential come into fruition in their life. There's nothing better. It's, it's phenomenal. It's incredible. I love it. It's my drug. It's, I, it's amazing to me. At the same time, one of the most frustrating things about youth ministry is potential. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like when a teenager realizes their potential and then ignores it. 
When a teenager goes to NYC, gets an encounter with Jesus Christ, and then goes back to the same thing that they came from. That can frustrate me so much. Now, as I was growing up in youth ministry, you got to understand this was 16 years ago, okay? So go back with me, all right? When I was growing up in youth ministry, my youth pastor talked about four things, and that's it. And I had one of the greatest youth pastors in the world, but he talked about four things. And it was all about behavior modification. I would not advise you to ever talk about behavior modification, but this is what it was 16 years ago. It was all about don't have sex, don't drop out, don't drink, right? It was all, and don't smoke right? This was, this was the thing back in the day. Now, it was because high school dropouts, smoking, um, sex, and drinking was at an all-time high uh, at a teenager level. You know what's interesting? As I was preparing this message, I go back into the archives of Google, <laughs> and I began to look at the stats now for high school dropout, teen pregnancy, alcohol abuse, and smoking. Did you know that today, this year, this moment, all four of those things, high school dropouts, teenage pregnancy, drinking, and smoking is at an all-time low within the last 40 years. Hey, fact check me, because I didn't believe it. I was like, there's no way. There's no way. I mean, I went through, I went, you know, because you got some that will tell you otherwise. It's like, no, it's actually higher per capita, blah, 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 blah. Like, and you go to the, like, the people who are like really real, who actually know what they're talking about. It is wild. Like it is at an all-time low right now in your generation. All four of them from the last 40 years, the last four decades. And I thought, <laughs> I've never heard this preached ever. Never in my life have I gone to a youth ministry and watched someone preach about how awesome the generation is doing. I never have. I've never gone and be like, because I'm going to tell you right now, when I was 16, if, if my youth pastor, if, if, we were, if we were a youth now, they'd be like, well, now what do I preach about? <laughs> you fixed it. You did it. Congratulations. Give yourself a round of applause, pat on the back. This is amazing. This is cool. Right? This is awesome. Some of y'all don't even know how to act about it right now. You're like, wait, really? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We're really that good? That's, that's phenomenal, right? And, and what you're experiencing right now is belief. Everyone say belief. You know that belief is the greatest gift that you could ever give anyone? Belief is the greatest gift that you could ever give anyone. If you could believe in someone, what you're going to do for their future and the trajectory of their lives will be astronomical. Astronomical. And this is what is happening. This father has belief that his son is going to get healed by Jesus himself. And Jesus goes to his son and he says, you know what, I got this, I can. 
heal him. And then the scripture says that when the spirit, when the enemy saw Jesus, and I asked you earlier, what does the spirit do when he sees you? Let me ask you this way. What does the enemy do when he sees you? We're getting quiet now. We don't want to be honest. Y'all act like y'all don't have parties with the enemy or something. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all don't have temptations or anything like that, any struggles, <laughs> right? Um, what, what, do you, what, what does the enemy do when he sees you? Does he cower? Does he run away? Does he hide? Or does he dab you up? Does he come in and bring you a hug? Some of you got secret handshakes with the devil like you on the same team with him. Have you noticed this? Woo! Oh my goodness. And some of us will look at that quote and we'll be like, ooh, man, that got me. <laughs> and the reality is, is that the enemy will be knocking at your door at midnight tonight, wondering whether or not you still want to think about all the bad things that you did a week ago going to be knocking at your door tomorrow morning when you realize that nothing at home has ever changed. And that is still the same. And even though you came here and you felt something different, home is still the same. It's going to come knocking on your door at 8 a.m. on Monday morning when you go back to school and you're still getting made fun of. And the enemy is going to come and it's going to seem like he's ready to have you in his open arms, but he's just ready to squeeze the life out of you. So Jesus starts asking the father if he wants his son healed. Now, here's what you gotta understand. Why is Jesus asking if he wants his son healed? Doesn't that seem a little ridiculous? Doesn't it seem a little weird that Jesus is asking, okay, hey, what's up? Oh, wow, you brought me your... Um, weird, demon-possessed son. Fantastic. Um, okay, well, I was doing something, but uh, <laughs> all right. Um, how can I help you? Oh, do you want your son healed? Right, like Jesus knows everything, right? <laughs> he's omnipotent, he, he's omnipresent, like he knows it all. So obviously, Jesus already knew that the dad wanted the son healed. But I have to, to, to stay right there because the father says, I do want my son healed. I do believe that you can heal him, but help me overcome my unbelief. Okay, 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 you cannot get, you cannot miss this, you cannot miss this. This is why I love the word of God. You can read any leadership book or any textbook at home, and you can do get all this cool little quotes and stuff like that and post it on Instagram, but like, yeah, what's up, I know a lot of things, but let me tell you something. When you read the word of God and you let those words jump out on the page to you, it will absolutely change your life. This man said to Jesus, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. What does that mean? He's saying, yes, I do believe in you, but I'm also a sinful being. I do believe, but I know that I'm human. I do believe, but I know that I'm not perfect like you, right? He's desperate for God, but he, it, he, he, he humbles himself and, and doesn't let desperation turn into humiliation. 
See, some of us will say, I'm desperate for God. And then you'll go so far that you won't humble yourself. You're like, come on, heal him, heal him, heal him. See, I knew you wouldn't heal him. And then you humiliate yourself. This man says, yes, I'm desperate. I do believe, but I know I'm not perfect and I'm just a man. So help me overcome my unbelief. He was humble when he came to Jesus. Did you know that unbelief is the absence of faith? Unbelief is the absence of faith. And did you know that faith is about you? I love it when people say, no, faith is about Jesus, Tim. No, it's not. Faith is about you. That's why they put I in the middle. F-A-I-T-H. Because it's about you. I. It's about you. I. Everyone say I. Everyone say I. Okay, you don't believe me. That's interesting. I love it. Are you ready? Everyone stand up. everyone standing up? You ready? Are you sure? It's going to rock your world, youth pastors. Sit down. It's okay, sit down. Did you see it? <laughs> Some of you have more faith in that chair than you do the creator of the earth. I told you to sit down and not one of you thought, this chair might not hold me. You just knew that it would. But the moment that God brings you into a circumstance or a situation. You're like, God, why did you leave me? God, why do you not care about me? God, what is wrong with me? Why am I the bad person? Ah, it's because faith is about you, homie. It is. You didn't think for one second that that chair wasn't going to hold you. You just said, all right, blah. What if your faith looked like that? With Jesus. But like, yeah, my parents are fighting, but I know God's good. But like, yeah, I know I ain't got the answers right now. I know I'm untested. I know I'm young. I know I just failed. But you know what? I'm going to get in the word of God. He's going to find it out for me. He's going to figure it out for me. Faith is about you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's you. It's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. <sighs> okay. Side note, the man brought the boy to Jesus. Anytime in scripture when Jesus heals someone, he goes to them. And they get their miracle. But anytime someone brings the disease to Jesus... They don't just get the miracle, they're made whole. They're made whole. 
So when I say faith is about you, I want you to think about this father and how he's obviously in distress. He's obviously worried. He's obviously has no idea what to do but to bring it to Jesus. And so Jesus heals the boy. And this is what it says in scripture. It says, the boy looks so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. Just trust me, I promise you, it's okay. The boy looks so much like a corpse that many said he was dead. Y'all remember when I said, I believe it when I see it? Remember when Genesis told me that? I believe it when I see it. (laughs) All right, put that scripture back up real quick. The dead corpse one. That's later, bro. It's okay. Dun, 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 dun. Did you find us the dead corpse one? I don't know what number it is. I'm sorry. There it is. Verse 26. Verse 26. Verse 26. Verse 26. Okay, we don't need it. It's cool. I didn't like it either. I didn't like it either. Um, But it says the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he was dead. That's interesting because they saw it and they still didn't believe it. They literally saw Jesus heal the boy. And it said the boy's corpse looked dead. And they were like, no, he's still dead. They saw Jesus heal the boy, and they were like, no, he's still dead. So what does that mean? That phrase, I'll believe it when I see it, it's a myth. If I'm honest, I want to go a step further. I think it's a cop-out. I'll believe it when I see it. These people saw someone get healed, and they still thought, no, he's dead. It's a cop-out. It's an excuse. It's 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 a myth, right? I think the phrase is, you have to believe it in order to see it. It's not I'll believe it when I see it. It's you have to believe it in order to see it. You have to believe that you're called in order to see your calling come into fruition. You have to believe that God has a destiny for you in order for you to see your destiny come into fruition. You have to believe that God can save your parents' marriage in order for God to save your marriage. You have to believe it in order to see it. And the reality is, is that what most people won't do is the next verse. It says they went indoors to a private place and the disciples are asking, what did we do wrong? And I think it's verse 29. It says this kind come out only by prayer. Everyone say prayer. Y'all know what prayer is? Prayer, nope, before I go to that, look, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, when's the last time you asked God something privately? This is key. Do you see this? They would not have ever gotten the answer if they asked him publicly. But they got the answer because they asked him privately. What does that mean? That means in your closet. 
That means in your bathroom. That means alone in the car. Privately. And the least amount, the, t- the, the least amount of time that you are with God privately, you are going to find yourself in places where time at the time at the time at the time at the time again that you want to never find yourself ever. Because you think, oh, public spaces with God is where it's all at. Here in this scripture, he says, no, the disciples asked him privately. And so he replies, this kind can come out only by prayer. Prayer. Everyone say prayer. Y'all know what prayer is? Prayer is a demonstration. Everyone say demonstration. And expression of thanks to God. This is good. This is really, really good. Because the reality is is that the, the, the entire Bible was written in a Hebrew mindset. And the Hebrew mindset was this. If you love me, you will obey my commands. What does that mean? If you love me, you will demonstrate it. What did I just say that prayer was? It's a demonstration and expression of thanks to God. In essence, what he's saying is if you believe it, then you will do it. You can't just say you believe it. You have to do it. Everyone say do it. If you keep saying that you believe it, but your actions do not reciprocate, then you don't believe. Did you hear me? If you keep saying you believe something, but your actions don't reciprocate it, don't follow, then you really actually don't believe what you're saying. So what that means is once you do it, then you believe it. Once you do it, then you believe it. What does that mean? Belief requires an action. Belief requires a demonstration immediately after. That means that belief without action is unbelief. (laughs) This is amazing. This is like the key to it all. Belief without action is actually unbelief. So I got to have action if I say I believe. But if I don't have action, then I really don't believe, which is unbelief. Okay. I got some shoes up here. How many of you are a size 10? How many of you believe that I'll give these away? How many of you believe I'll give them away? See, they're real. They're real. They're really there. Size 10? Only if you're size 10. Only if you're size 10. It's a 10. It's a 10. Brand new. I just bought them today. I saw some of y'all in the mall. Just size 10. How many of you believe that I'll give them away? How many of you believe I'll give them away? What are you doing? What are you doing? What's your your name? 
Adrian, everyone say hi, Adrian. Y'all go, go take a seat. I want to talk to Adrian real quick. Well, I just, I just thought it was weird. I don't, I don't like why, why, like, like why are you coming up here? Huh? Someone's some gonna have to take. Um, you know what's interesting about this man? Um, is that he might have been the only person that actually believed that I was going to give these away. Because he was the first one up here. And belief requires a action. And a, de a, a what? A demonstration? I thought she said a demon. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This is, this is going to help a lot of people. How long was I up here saying, how many of you believe I'll give you this? You said not too long. But maybe it was too long. And it was interesting that once one person came up, there was 20 people. Stand up, stand up. It's all right. Don't get those pants messed up, bro. <laughs> Looking swaggy. You single? Single. You about to get shoes and a girlfriend tonight. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that once you came down, once you had the belief and the action behind it, that means you had no unbelief in your heart. You had the belief and the action. 20 other people came down with you. That is called belief. Because he had action behind his belief, he's going to be receiving a brand new pair of tennis shoes. I want to close tonight and the band can start heading up. I think belief, listen up, listen up. I, I think belief is everything that our faith is predicated on. What you've got to understand is this. I know that was a fun little illustration and I wish I could give shoes to every single one of you, but that would be very expensive. But I want to ask you this. We're all here because more or less someone in our family, someone sitting next to us, and then us believe that Jesus died on the cross, he rose from the grave, and that he is the only thing to the Father. Wouldn't it be interesting, NYC teenager, listen to me. Wouldn't it be interesting, go with me, 2,000 years ago, if you got to watch Jesus walking up on Calvary, and he's walking with the two thieves, all three crosses, they get up to the top of the hill, they put the crosses 
in the holes and the two thieves get up there and you're just there, you're sitting there with your binoculars just watching. And Jesus isn't on the cross yet. And he's just kind of standing in front of it. And you kind of go up to Jesus and you say, Jesus, what you doing? It's time for you to get on the cross. You got, you got to die for my sins. Every mistake, every failure. You, 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 you got to do this. Because if you don't do this, then the world's got no hope. The world's got no answer. The, wor- the world's got nothing. You, you got to do this. And what if Jesus looked at you and he said, well, just believe that I would get up there. Just, just, just believe that I would walk up on that cross and get up there. In that moment, we would begin to question our whole theology on whether or not we would follow this man. Why? Because he didn't do anything. If it was just all on, yeah, just believe. No. You know what Jesus did? In fact, he didn't even want to do it. He just believed that his father knew exactly what he needed to do. And he got up on that cross and he did it. Everyone say, just do it. What does that mean? He demonstrated it. He had action behind his belief. He didn't want to do it. But he believed in the Father. When the Father said, come and be with me. All I want to do is be with you. And this is what you have to do. So he said, I believe in that so much that now I will follow it up with action. And now, 2,000 some odd years later, millions, billions of people are following the writings of this book of Jesus Christ. Not because he just said, believe it. Isn't that enough? No. He began to do it. Everyone say, just do it. Just like in verse 17, it says, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Everyone standing, I want to ask you, what do you need to bring to Jesus tonight? What do you need to bring to Jesus to heal tonight? What do you need to bring to Jesus to reconcile with tonight. What do you need to bring to Jesus? There are all of you in this room who are just like the father, and you might not be picking up a boy, but you might be picking up anxiety. You might be picking up worry. You might be picking up regret. You might be picking up loneliness. I don't know what, you might be picking up an addiction. You might be picking up trauma. And just like his father, he picked up his boy and he brought him to Jesus. Why? Because he believed over there and he had action 
over here. This whole faith is not predicated on just believing. That's not scripturally correct. It's not just to believe. Romans 10, 9. It says this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. No moving, no moving. I don't know why you're moving. No moving, no moving. Don't move. Don't move. You're missing it. Just stay where you're at. Just stay where you're at. Look at this. Because that's what people say all the time. All you got to do is just believe. But believing means that you have to have action behind it. Look, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's one. Declare with your mouth. That's two. So you got to declare. You got to demonstrate. You got to have action with your mouth. Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. That declaration is an action. That declaration is an action. This is what the Father had with the Son, bringing him to Jesus. And just like the man who brought Jesus his boy, the action was enough for Jesus to show him. So let me tell you something, teenagers. You can say you believe all day, but until you show it, I don't know what to tell you. Because you would look at me like I'm crazy if I said, well, yeah, G Jesus just wants you to believe that he would die on the cross. Wouldn't it be crazy if I told you, yeah, 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 just believe that you have a dad that loves you. Wouldn't that be crazy? No, how do you know that your dad loves you? He shows you. I can say, I can say all day that I love my sons, but if I don't feed them, do I love them? See, it's that simple. And we try to make the gospel so complicated, but let me tell you something. Don't let anyone get it twisted for you. Don't let anyone get it twisted for you. It is simple. It is simple as can be. Jesus believed in every single one of you that he put action behind his death. For you, just thinking of you and you and you and you and you and you and you, all the way up in the back, every single person. He's thinking of you. He was thinking of you. I'm a little weary for what I'm about to do right here in this moment because there's a lot of you, but I really feel by, led by the Holy Spirit. I want everyone, and no talking, but I want everyone to get your phones out. Yeah, 
Keep Romans 10, 9 up. You following the spirit with me right here. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. I'm not the kind of preacher that's going to tell you that social media is bad. I realize and understand that social media can be a tool used for God. And I realize that if we can just do a little more work on the youth pastor level, we can help you use this in the right way. I want you to get your phones out, every single one of you, even leaders. I might even do it, except I don't have my phone with me, so I can't. I'm sorry. And I want you to take a picture of this room. You can take a picture of the stage. You can take a picture of each other. I don't care. I just want you to take a picture of something that just reminds you of this moment. Whatever it is. I don't care what it is. JC, make sure you smile, all right? They look, they, they're taking pictures of you. Just take a, take a picture of this moment right here. It can be a video too. That's fine. I don't care. Whatever. I just want you to commemorate this moment. If you don't have a phone, that's fine. Don't worry about it. it is, it's okay. If you do have a phone and you're not doing it, you know, you're not really getting the message, but it's okay. Now, here's what I want you to do. If Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is what I want you to do with that picture. Listen up. This is what I want you to do with that picture. All of you hold social media at a pretty somewhat high priority. Only reason why I know is because this generation was the one that actually watched it spike and peak into the place that it is now. What I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to literally live out this message. And now at this point, this is where your hands start sweating. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Oh my God. Let me tell you, what I'm asking you to do right now is probably the easiest thing. This is way easier than going up to someone at a lunch table and professing your faith. This is at the lowest level, right? What I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to take that picture. I want you to take that video of whatever it is. And I want you to post it on Instagram. And I don't want you to, listen, don't you dare post it on a story. Because that would be an exact replica of your faith. There for 24 hours and then gone. Why did that hit so hard? Because you know exactly what I'm talking about. I got a 14-year-old homie. I know. I know. I get it. I got a specific aesthetic to have. I got specific things. Uh, my followers ain't the people that are in this room. It's other people. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your social media, if you declare with your Snapchat, if you declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, here's the deal. We have gone session one, session two, session three, and by the looks of it, all of you believe. The tragedy of that is if you just left it at that.
And I don't want that for you. Your youth pastor doesn't want that for you. NYC doesn't want that for you. And so be it, God doesn't want that for you. Because he says here, yeah, believe in your heart, but also declare it with your mouth. And you know what this is going to do? What do you mean? If I post it on my social media, what that's going to do? Everyone's going to see it. Thank you. And everyone's going to see it. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to ask you about it. And what are you going to say? Yeah, it was a good time. Is that your action? No. Yeah, really? Hey, man, I got to tell you about this. Maybe we should go to coffee. Maybe we should hang out after school and go to Panera. I don't know if people go to Panera. We should go after school. We got to talk about this in the locker room. We got to talk about this in school. I got to let you know how God changed my life. I got to let you know um, the shift that happened. I got to let you know what this tall, lanky, blonde-headed boy said. I got to let you know what God did in my family. I got to let you know what God did in my youth ministry. And, and maybe you're like, well, I don't even know what I would say. Good. That's okay. That's fine. Maybe you just say, hey, you know what? I actually spent this weekend investing into myself. And I didn't know what that looked like, but it was different than partying. It was different than sending nudes to a boy. It was different than all the other things that everyone else is doing. You know what? I said, I'm going to invest into myself, and I'm going to learn a little more about Scripture. And maybe that starts a conversation that rolls into them coming to church, that rolls into you leading them to Christ, that rolls into worship in the middle of a car. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But what I'm telling you is you will never experience the fullness of God in your life if you just believe. You have to act on it. So tonight, if you're like, yeah, I, put, I, I got the picture, you're like, yeah, but I ain't going to do that. I just want to let you know that's the minimum. That's like minimal. It's, it's like so easy. And you know what? I want you to tag your youth pastor and I want you to tag me. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask questions about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna ask you questions. I'm gonna say, tell me more about what God's doing in your life. Because I want you to get to a place where you can have your own faith. Look at your neighbor, tap him on the shoulder, say your own faith. Look at your second choice, say your own faith. Tag your youth pastor. And youth pastors, I'm telling them to tag you. Why? Because you should be invested in their social media. You should be invested into their lives. The greatest ability is availability. And availability leads to reliability. Are you reliable for God? Can you be reliable to the faith? Can you be reliable? And you ask, how do I be reliable? You be available. This is a part of being available. The song that they're about to sing right now 
has a deep, deep meaning to me. We played this song in 2019 in our summer camp. And it was the first time it, it had ever been shown to Elevation Church and to around the world. The first time. And when I watched teenagers sing this song, it brings me to tears every time. Because what you're saying is, I am going to be available for you to do something in my life. And if you're available, you're reliable. And if you're reliable, you're going to see God do more and more and more in your life. So come on, all across this place, I want you to raise both hands. And I want us to begin to sing this song, not just believing it, but declaring with our mouth right now.